Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Before we begin today, a short message from our friends at MyBookie. We're all hockey fans here. We love the Montreal Canadiens, and you probably think that you know hockey better than most people. Well, MyBookie gives you an opportunity to prove it. So why not test your knowledge while earning a little extra cash? My bookie gives you so many ways to win, and trust me, that is not even the best part. If you sign up now using the promo code THPN, my bookie will match your bet halfway up to $1,000. That means if you bet $100, my bookie will give you 50 bucks. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win. You get paid. Why not bet with my bookie? Okay, guys, so before we start, I have one final big announcement to make. You can now find Habs Nightly not only on the Hockey Podcast Network, but also on our own individual website now. If you go on the internet, on your computer, on your phone, any device with access to the internet, and you look up habsnightly.zencast.website, you can find the home of Habs Nightly, the Hockey Podcast Network's home of Montreal Canadiens talk. So, why not check that out? You can always find us, you know, previously through the hockeypodcastnetwork.com, or you can now find us on our own domain, domain sorry, I will be tweeting this out on my Twitter, so if you need quick access, if you can't figure it out, you can find it there. And if you aren't following me on Twitter, at HabsNightly, I highly recommend you do. I will be posting updates to episode. It's quick, easy access for you, the listener. I will also post my own opinions and updates on the Montreal Canadiens. If you do follow me, I would like to apologize. I have been incredibly lazy lately, you know. Stuff's come up, school, work, and you know what? I realize, not a good excuse, you know? I've, I've got to be more committed to this, so starting from now, I will be doing much more. I have started taping the game, so you know what? Even if I miss the game, I can still tweet my own opinion and analysis of it for you guys. You know, all of this and more, I'm putting work into making this so much better, so much more easily accessible for you guys, the listener. Now, with that all concluded, all our housekeeping notes, you know, kind of figured out, let's start talking hockey. So on this episode, we have, if you cannot tell from the title, another 
awesome interview. You know, I say interview, it's just a chat with the Bayou Benders. Corey, you know, love having him on. We get going talking about Habs. He is possibly one of the only other big Habs fans, like as big as me, that I have met in my time on this earth. You know, the guy knows so much about the past, you know, Montreal Canadians history, all that stuff. Um, stuff that I don't think even either of us were alive for. So it's incredible to pick that guy's brain and just talk hockey with him, you know, talk Montreal. So we went in through a lot of stuff. We talked about Kakinyemi, talked about all that fun stuff, but I'm just going to give my own brief two cents on that. You know, we see Kakinyemi going down and I've, you know, looked over Twitter. People are fucking laughing at us. I was, you know, getting into it with um, Shane from the Ottawa Senators podcast. That's the Frozen Biscuit on the Hockey Podcast Network. It's all fun and games with that, you know, just kind of us going back and forth. It's not too serious. But, you know, a lot of people pretty upset about Kakaniemi going down. And, you know, I understand he's third overall pick who put up, you know, 34 points last year playing in the NHL. Seemed like he was going to stay in the NHL the whole time. Had a very disappointing season this year. And it's understandable, you know, we see Brady Kachuk for the Sens doing as well as he did, picked right behind Kakaniemi. That's frustrating. I understand that. But got to understand the position Montreal's in right now. They still want to make the playoffs. Kakaniemi's playing like, you know, shit. So um, put him down there. Let him get the quality minutes he needs to, you know, develop. And I saw a very interesting tweet. I believe it was from Habs Chronicle on Twitter. A great follow, I must say. I get a lot of, I find they post a lot of stuff that makes a lot of sense to me, stuff that sometimes I haven't even considered. So if you love Habs Twitter stuff and you're not following them, Habs Chronicle is a great follow. Um, They mentioned that, uh, you know, he's going to have the same quality line mates in the AHL as he did playing in the NHL. You know, he played with Nick Cousins and Jordan Wheel a majority of the time, and but he was playing nine minutes a game, and now he gets to go to Laval and play, you know, 15, 16 minutes a game with the same quality line mates who are maybe more talented, you know, offensively, and I just think it's a great opportunity for him to grow and develop as a player. You know, <laughs> he doesn't seem to be taking it that bad, joking around with reporters and stuff, so we've seen the kind of dedication he had has had his whole NHL career, his whole pro career, I think he's going to do just fine for himself in the NHL. I think personally, you know, obviously it's not my favorite thing in the world to see, but I think it is for the best, and we will see him take great strides in the AHL. Finally, before I talk to Corey, I just want to talk about Jeff Petrie. Now, me and Corey were actually tweeting with each other on Twitter about this whole situation, and... You know, why trade Jeff Petrie? Um, a lot of people saying trade him, put him on the trading block, stuff like that. Rumors about him being on the trading block. Montreal's not doing well. He'd be a great trade deadline acquisition. Stuff like this. And I think that is just the dumbest thing in the world. You know, this guy has been an absolute relevation for the Habs. You know, he's come up after we traded for him from Edmonton. I don't think anyone expected the production and what he brings that he has you know I think he surprised absolutely everybody and he's become so valuable to this team I'd say he's borderline all-star he um puts up like 45 46 points he's on pace for about 50 that'd be another career high 
That'd be four straight seasons with the Montreal Canadiens where he's put up career-high numbers. And for a team that needs puck-moving defensemen who put the puck in the net and rack out points, why would you get rid of him? And if this team was rebuilding, it's a similar case with Tatar. I totally understand Montreal trading him and getting draft picks. We're not rebuilding. We're clearly... We're clearly... We're, sorry. Mark Bergevin is clearly building us to compete next season. It's an area of weakness for us, so if we're trying to compete next season, we shouldn't be trading out of that area and making ourselves weaker. So I think Jeff Petrie should definitely stay with Montreal unless presented like multiple first-round draft picks or first-round draft pick and an A-level prospect. Something you can't say no to, it would be understandable, but Bergevin should not be selling him, and if he is going to sell him, sell way above his value. So that's my you know, take on the matter. I think if you really look at it, you could probably agree and see the logic in that. Mark, I totally understand fans saying, Trey, I get where you're coming from, but we're not rebuilding. So I just think that's the wrong approach. Anyway, without further ado, here is my conversation with Corey. All right, guys. So I am joined yet again with Corey, you know, commonly known as the Bayou Benders. How's it going, man? Dude, I'm doing great. Many technical difficulties, but we're fucking here. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back talking halves. I can't be more fucking excited tonight. Yep. So I'm an idiot, and I spent about 30 seconds trying to find the record button, but we finally figured it out. So we're here to shoot the shit and talk halves again. You know, it's becoming almost a uh, bi-weekly thing at this point. You guys seem to like listening to Corey. I like talking to him, so we're just going to jump right into it. And, man, what do you think of this Kotkaniemi getting sent down to Laval? I think it's for the best right now. You know, uh, beginning of the season, we, you know, you asked me how I felt about Kotkaniemi, and I said uh, the best thing for him to do is right now is just get some play time, you know, like let him, let him evolve his game. Um, it has just not been, you know, I wouldn't say it hasn't been evolving. It just hasn't been his fucking game as of late uh in the last 12 games he played he's got one goal one one point the being his fucking goal um i mean the most exciting thing is his fight not that long ago he got 17 penalty minutes out of it so if you have him in fantasy that was probably the best you got out of him in a while but i mean dude he's just been faltering you know they dropped him down to what like the fourth line and still there was just no real you know he just wasn't connecting with this with, with, with this team right now. And I think for the best, you know, is to send him down, you know, uh, I think with someone, us picking up like uh, Kovalchuk, you know, this team's doing a lot better and we kind of need the best the best players on our team right now. So if we have to send down Ken Niemi and he can go fucking tear it up on the first line in Laval, then, then that's what we have to do. Yeah, exactly. And I saw a funny tweet. With some guys saying, you know, he'll have the same quality line mates as he did in a, in a, the NHL with, you know, playing with Cousins and Thompson and who else did he play? Jordan Wheel. Like, I feel like he wasn't getting the quality minutes he needed or the players. So it's just a bad situation. And I, I like you said, I think this was the best for his development. You know, looking at this season, he was having a rough year to start. You know, 23 penalty minutes in 36 games. He had 26 last year. Six goals, two assists, eight points in 36 games. You know, he, we we saw that and heard that he was going through a lot of injury issues. Yeah, December was rough on him, you know. Yeah, with that concussion and that torso injury. 
So I think this is definitely for the best for him. And he seems to be embracing it. I was reading, I think it was Apron Basso had an article with the athletics saying that Kakanyami said he was just happy to be playing more than nine minutes a night. So he seems to be embracing it. And I think that's what we've always seen with Kakanyami. He's had a good attitude throughout his entire tenure with Montreal. So I think he'll do well with Laval. He actually got a point on Saturday, his first game with them. Yeah, I don't think he's – you know, just because he got sent down, like I'm not one of those guys who's just like, fuck him, like that's where he needs to be. Like, no, like I want this guy to develop. And, and if he needs to take a step down to do it, you know, so be it. We have we have the, the players that can do it. Like the next guy we're going to fucking talk about, you know, um, he's fucking showing up, you know, like let him go – let him go down a little bit. Let him, let him play a little lower level, but – you know, that, that tweet is right, though. You know, um, where he's going, he's playing no different, you know, than being on the fourth line with the Habs right now. So just let him get his momentum back. Maybe maybe there's some lingering, you know, uh, injury still, you know, since December. You know, this gives him a chance to play a little lighter of a game. And, um, you know, when he's ready to come back, you know, he'll be brought up. You know, he's a player that definitely, definitely can make or break a team, and he has that he has that offensive power to do it just right now. He needs a break. And I think it was smart to let the team to let him go down. You know, I guess it's not, it's not him being let they, you know, it's their fucking choice, but send him down. You know, he's not producing for the team right now. You know, this is a big league, you know, we're not, we're not doing this as good as we wanted to do this year, but you know what? Like that doesn't mean it's over. You know, we're still going to fucking push and I, uh, you know, we'll see you. We'll see you when you when you're a little bit more healthy and you you actually got a little run going. You know. Yeah, exactly. And we get friggin' fans like Shane on the Devils podcast with you, who constantly chirping me on Twitter about Cockneyemi going down. We had a little bit of a beef on the comments of one of my posts just today. Oh man! So that's that's funny. But you know, I think that we shouldn't view this as a step back. We should just see it as a pause. You know. This is probably what's best for his development. And when you look at Montreal right now, they're eight points back of a playoff spot. We're not going to make the playoffs, let's be honest. So why have Kakaniemi rotting on the fourth line, playing nine minutes a night with AHL-level you know, forwards when he could play with AHL-level forwards in Laval playing 20 minutes a night, right? And that starting right, role, it just makes more sense. Let's boost. Let's boost Laval at this point. You know, like yeah, we're not going to make the playoffs. It's it's a long shot, but that doesn't mean that we don't keep you know playing as high as we can. And you know, Ken Niemi getting sent down isn't a bad thing. It's not bad for him. He's going to get a, a chance to play a lot more. Excuse me, a lot more hockey and a lot better hockey out there. You know, like it's just going to be a little bit more better for him, and it's going to be better for us. You know, we're going to have more offense coming our way. We're not being sad to say, like, dragged down by another player, you know? Exactly. And I've heard from everything I've read, he's taking it really well. And that same article by Apron Basso, um, apparently Apron, i definitely butchering that name. I'm not French by any means, by the way. That's but, right. uh, we, we said it last time. We, yeah, didn't, we, we couldn't get it right. It, it is what it is. <laughs> just d- deal with us, okay? But, um, yeah, you said that he asked Kakinyemi a kind of a dumb question, and Kakinyemi said, well, that was a dumb question. I hope they don't send you down to the minors for that one. You know, kind of making fun of himself. So I think it's right. nice nice to see that he has a good attitude. And if he has a good attitude, he's going to do very well in Laval. So I think it's definitely the best thing for his development. And, you know, obviously you don't want to see a high first-round draft pick going back down to the, to the AHL. 
But with some players, you know, they require that. Other players, you know, like a certain Nick Suzuki, who we see absolutely tearing it up this year, though. What are your thoughts on the, everything that he's done? Nick fucking Suzuki. Literally, you know, Brendan Gallagher, Brendan Gallagher comes back, what, two, game, two games back now because we just had a game tonight. Uh, you know, scores in his fucking first game back. Um, but Nick Suzuki is literally another Brendan Gallagher. Uh, I, this is nothing new to you guys. Uh, this kid's got an incredible shot. He's fast. He's small. He can get in where, where some people can't. And, dude, his best goals are right there hiding or getting hit right in front of the goalie. He just finds the back of the net. I mean, let's just – uh, I haven't really – I didn't get a chance to check out tonight's game, but he got a fucking assist in it. So that means in his past – what is that? Four games he's had – what is that? Six – I think it's no, six five, five, Yeah, six, six points. He's got five assists and a goal. This kid's fucking like doing just I, – I couldn't, I couldn't be happier with him. Uh, I knew this was a great – this was a great fucking guy when we got him. I'm just happy that it, it, it's moving – it's moving good, and he's playing at an NHL caliber level right now. All I want more from him is just some of those more unique goals. Um, I don't care if they're in front of the fucking net, just in the you know in the trenches. Um, this kid makes—he's a difference maker for us right now. Yeah, and something that I think is very underrated. You talk about you know those unique goals that he has the ability to score with that high talent, you know, skill that he possesses. But like something people don't realize. Nick Suzuki is so good defensively. That point he picked up today, it was off a great offensive zone steal that he gave to Gallagher. It was a secondary assist that he gave to Gallagher. Gallagher gave it to Tatar. We've seen what Tatar is doing. Tatar made no question, just absolutely buried it. But Suzuki made that play by stealing the puck. Right. Not only has he done stuff like that all year, but we see him, you know, Julian will roll him out there on the PK, no question. Like, he doesn't seem to hesitate. He's only got six penalty minutes this year. Like, Sounds like a little Kale McCarr, like. <laughs> yeah, like he's doing really, really well offensively, defensively. And that's something that, you know, when a rookie comes in, especially a centerman, they seem to struggle defensively. Suzuki hasn't. And playing for a coach like Claude Julien, who just historically, you know, really beats down, you've got to be good defensively. That's why he's not played rookies in the past. He's not showing any hesitation to play Suzuki. And I think that that says a lot about how Suzuki is as a player. I love him. Uh, I'm so happy he's not in Vegas and he's with us. Um, I couldn't be happier with this fucking kid. Um, like, man, there's one highlight from early in the season. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember who was on. I want to say it was. Uh, I think it was on Florida. He. Uh, I wouldn't even call it a one timer, but dude just just lifts it right over right over the fucking goalie. Uh, I can't I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but this kid is just phenomenal. He plays both ends very well. And like you said, Claude Julian is expecting defense defensive defensive minded players. And this kid's only twenty years old and he's playing like a vet. I couldn't be more happy with this kid. I mean, he can score more, sure. I mean that that is that is the that is what everyone's gonna say about every fucking player. But right now, with this team, he's doing excellent. And I, I don't want him to do any more than what he's doing because he has given us, you know, his absolute best right now. Definitely. And with his point today, 
He's now in sole place fourth in rookie scoring. And when you look at the rookie class this year, you know, Victor Olofsson, Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, like that's some pretty elite company he's joined. Absolutely. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't Olofsson get hurt? Yeah, Olofsson got – if Olofsson didn't get hurt, I think he'd be by far running away with it right now. Right, Kale McCarr yeah. got hurt too, so maybe an asterisk yeah. there. But those two guys are projecting to be – well, everyone knows – Kale McCarr, like you know, yeah, what he's, he's fucking running with it. I mean, this kid is by far one of the best rookie defensemen, you know, seasons ever. Um, especially like you know, like in in the past, it was a little bit easier, uh, you know, scoring wise. But to to do it in this caliber of uh, NHL right now, it's absolutely it's a treat to watch him. Um, but I mean, dude, for Nick Suzuki to do to be that high up on a team that's playing like, like it is right now. I mean, shit, you've got what you, you won two, two games and then just lost against the blue jackets. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a team that's that you can easily say struggling, but I mean, this, this guy is, is proven, you know, like he's, you know, his rookie season is really, is really strong. And he's proven that he's one of those, you know, he's, he's not in the, he's not in the box with, with all these new young, uh, new young guys he's he's definitely uh an, an advanced player already yeah definitely and to even be mentioned with guys like kale mccarr i think it just really shows how elite he is and the fact that we got him in that trade deal with vegas i think is an absolute steal regardless but we also got tatar and man where do we start with tatar there's so much talk about trading him and you know, I understand why um, he's doing really well. Montreal's a team that's struggling right now. With Chris Kreider getting injured, that only adds to his trade value. We saw what teams paid for him. What well, we, well, we saw what Vegas paid for him when he only put up 28 points with the Red Wings. They gave up, I think it was a first and a second or something ridiculous like that. And now Tatar is, I believe, 21st in league scoring. He's got 51 in... 55 games I believe something like that 20 goals he's done very well for himself you know what is your opinion it's everyone has a different point of view do you think Montreal should trade Thomas Tatar uh, I mean <laughs> it, it's so hard I like Thomas Tatar I mean fuck he's playing on our top line right now you know I mean um, it's not like he's not producing right he Detroit fucking sucked he goes to Vegas. He fucking kills it. Then he comes to us. He has a great season. I mean, fuck, we got basically a, a national meme out of him, you know, just going around, ta-ta. I still, I still think we keep him. I, I don't see why we trade him. We're not, we're not in a situation where we, we could make a trade that could help us into the fucking playoffs. I think this is a great guy that we can move forward with. Um, he's 29. You know, so I get, I get like that age, you know, it, it's a younger man's game now, but he's still not out of it. Um, and it's not like he's, he's not producing. He doesn't even really have slumps where he's not producing. Like he might not have like a goal score, you know, like he, he might slump in goal scoring, but he's literally out there. He's getting assists. You know, he's out there for these big offensive fucking plays. Why would we really get away with him? You know, why, why would we move someone like that? What are we going to get back? Yeah, and I think the argument is is that Montreal is a you know poor team. We're not doing very well this year, so you could get draft picks for them. But what I've always said to people who say that is, 
okay, if Montreal was rebuilding and if we were clearly, you know, going the route of Ottawa just to take a jab at Shane and Jesus, just, he's going to fucking light you up, dude. <laughs> just if we, if we were <laughs> God awful and just sucking, I think it would make sense. You know, um, you want to get assets for the future and trade, but Mark Bergevin clearly isn't doing that. You know, with all the moves that he's made signing Ben Sherrod this season, um, Carey Price and Shea Weber's contract situation, how we haven't moved on for them, how he's gone out and said, unless Price asks for a trade, he is untouchable. All those signs lead me to believe that Mark Bergevin is building for a playoff push next season. You know, the fact that they're even pushing right now, sending Kakanyemi, Kale Fleury down, we didn't talk about that, but when you're trying to rebuild, you give your young guys as much experience in the NHL as possible, even if you're losing. Montreal isn't doing that. So, why would you trade your leading point getter, possibly your most talented forward on one of the best first lines in the NHL when you were it's, trying to make a ranked number seven right now? Just, just to throw it out there, this line, despite, you know, what you want to say about fucking Montreal, it's, it's in the top 10 of, you know, uh, first lines out there. So, and it's, it's mainly because of him right now, you know, Brendan Gallagher was hurt, you know, uh, Deneau has been all right. But Thomas Tatar has has proven this year that he's the fucking real deal. Exactly. And when you think of the names that are in those top lines, you get guys like Tyler Sagan, Jamie Ben Radulov, that's the first line. Sidney Crosby's line, McDavid Dreisaitl, like those are the names that line is getting mentioned with. So when we're building for next season, I that do first, not that think first we one you, that first one you talked about. Look, I was just on with Dallas, right? Tyler Seguin is not Tyler Seguin of the past anymore, but Thomas Tatar is still a fucking name to talk about. You know, I, I don't think I don't think trading him would be good. Now, I've I have not liked some of the shit that's happened with Bergevin in the past, but you know what? He shut me up. This team is is where I want them right now. Do I want us to succeed? Absolutely. I don't think this is the move to make to do that though. Yeah, and I, I kind of thought you'd have a similar opinion. You know, we hadn't even talked about it previously, but. I think, like you said, Bergevin, I fucking hated him two years ago. Oh, I fucking couldn't stand him. Yeah, but looking at the deals he's made and, like, how they've – like, some of the trades he's pulled off, like that Tatar and Suzuki one, that was – Tatar was a throw-in in that deal. And we've just – Patrick is having a great year, but we he absolutely fleeced Vegas – um, the the Subban deal. Look at what Subban you covered Jersey. Look what Subban's yeah. doing this year. I hate it. You know, I <laughs> and, and what's fucked up is Subban would be an all star with Montreal right now. But it is what it is. I like where we're at right now. Bergevin is all right in my fucking books. I mean, this dude. I mean, he don't give a fuck what I think. But I mean, look, whatever he does, I'm on board with it. I don't think that the Thomas Tatar trade rumors. I, I don't want it to happen. Just as simple as that. Do you think it'll happen though? Fuck. I mean, I could see it <laughs> happening, but it would have to be like, like it ain't, it ain't no fucking, we're not getting no Ilya Kovalchuk. It ain't going to be a trade like that, you know? And what scares me is I'm looking, I'm looking at kind of like the trade bait that's out there right now. I don't see anyone that I would want to give up for Thomas to talk. Yeah. And I think it would, if I wanted anything back it would have to be a first rounder and somebody i don't think bergevin will give him up for anything less i think he knows 
you know, especially talking about Chris Kreider's injury going down, he would have been a big trade deadline uh, target for a lot of teams. Tatar's value is an all-time high right now, and I think Bergevin's definitely smart enough to realize that, so I don't imagine he's going to sell short. Dude, I mean, look, so so I fucking play fantasy. Long story short, it doesn't fucking matter. Only that Thomas Tatar is ranked 42nd overall out of every fucking player right now in the National Hockey League. I don't fucking trade him. He's he's ranked the yeah. number 12th left wing right now. And he's got a year on his contract. Dude, sign him fucking back. This, he's not a fucking all-star, but could be, right? If Shea he's Weber probably is gonna, on the team, I think he makes the all-star team this year. Oh, absolutely. I think so, too. I'm just saying, like, you know, people people won't call his name and be like, that's the all, that is that is an all-star on this fucking team because they don't know this fucking team. This guy's lights out right now and easily, easily, if we sign him back, guarantee he takes a team-friendly contract. Oh, definitely. He seems to love playing with Montreal. Dude. I've noticed that with a lot of players that have come here. Ilya Kovalchuk's another great example. I fucking love Ilya. Dude, I picked him up. So blessed to have him right now. Ten points in twelve games, seven hundred thousand dollars a year, dude. <laughs> the steal, the steal of the century for Montreal right now. If he keeps it up, like I know a lot of fans are talking about him as trade bait too. Um, I've even heard things about you know trading him for like a second round, third round pick, and I talked about it. I don't think you're going to get a second for Ilya Kovalchuk. So at most, you're going to get a third. It's another similar situation. If you're building for next year, why get rid of that? You know, <laughs> like yeah. I mean, look, I see it as like you know, he's getting old. He's 36, right? If the man signed for 700, what what, what makes you think he won't do it again? You know, they'd probably give him a little bit more, but he's he's not. We're not offering him with fucking with LA offering him. Fuck that. You know, we're going to give him. If he wants to stay, we give him a fucking uh, uh, a very good, a lot more than he's making right now, but a team-friendly deal. We keep it at that. I wouldn't give him no more than a three-year contract. I think that I think he's worth he's worth at least that. If it doesn't work out, we can ship him. You know, but I think Ilya's made his money. I don't think he cares about the money anymore because you know we saw us with New Jersey when he went left for the K. He left like. 30 mil on the table. We saw the amount of money he left with LA. I think he is in it to win and he wants to play. The fact that he signed with Montreal makes me think he thinks this team can win. Seems to love the city. I think if Mark Bergevin and the Habs are interested, Ilya Kovalchuk is definitely interested to resign. Yeah, I, I truly believe that. Uh, and another thing, dude, it's like, yeah, like LA's not having the season that, that they, that they want to have. They haven't been that great in a while, right? But Ilya Kovalchuk really... I feel like in Montreal, he's in a better he's in a better system. He's in a better fucking community, and he's going to get a lot more playing time, regardless if he was if he was struggling or not. But since he's doing good, his playing time is going to go up. That's what this man wants. He's not here for the money, like you said. He's here to play the fucking game, and he's getting a chance to, and he's fucking doing good on his team. So they're just going to give him as much ice time as he can. Exactly, and I've even seen reports. I don't know how official these are. Um, just, you know, Twitter's a great source if you're interested in looking for hockey rumors. That's where I get a lot of mine from. But um, of just teams, uh, sorry, Montreal officials saying that they're very interested in bringing him back purely 
not even for the point production, but just what he brings to the locker room. And they say that he's a great locker room presence, you know, great example for the young guys. So, you know, why not have literally a living, breathing legend coach Nick Suzuki? You know, this guy is the second most, I believe the second most goals ever scored by a Russian player. He's got like close to 500 NHL goals, just an absolute breathing legend and missed most of his prime in the NHL. Why not have him teach young Nick Suzuki, young Kakinyemi how to score goals? Right. Well, man, here's a, here's a quick stat. Do you, how, how many games has he played for Montreal right now? 12. He's 14th of this whole team of, what, 35 guys that we have right now uh, listed. He's 14th overall in points, and he's going to pass up Nate Thomas, you know, at 10, at 10 fucking points. You know? But, like, this dude has made an impact since day one that he came over. Exactly. Just – We've talked about it so much, but I can't get over how great of a pickup that was. Dude, I'm, I'm excited. Dude, people making fun of us once again. And I'm like, dude, you guys are fucking tripping. If, if he can, you know, link up with this, if they can find a connection, he's going to go off. He's just been looking for that connection. L.A. wasn't. L.A. didn't have that for him. He comes over here, and he's proven that he still got it. This is his whole thing. He's been trying to show that he could still fucking ball. He could still fucking play. And he's got his chance with Montreal, the best fucking place for him to do it. Exactly. Just <laughs> we, I don't. We could go on for literal hours about how awesome Kovalchuk is, and I think you and I are in total agreement. But um, maybe just to spice it up a bit, you brought him up, Nate Thompson. Only ten points, but what he brings to this team, I think, is so underrated defensively and in the locker room, but especially on the ice. You know, he comes in, plays the first line PK for us or second line after Deneau. Total shutdown, makes great plays, can chip in 10 points about just over the halfway mark. What do you think? I know you don't get to watch as much Montreal games as you'd like, so you might not notice, but what do you think of his play this season and how important he's Look, I just know that this dude's really fucking chippy. Like, his <laughs> defense his defense is, is what saves him on his team, right? Um yeah, he's got 10 points right now, but I'm not even looking for him as far as an offensive player right now. What he brings for this team, like, yeah, I can't check his – I don't know what he is on the PK, but uh, he helps the you know the penalty kill a lot more than he does the offense. And uh, that's, that's really all I need from him, you know. Yeah, he definitely knows what his role is on the ice. He's out there to stop the opposing team from scoring. He's not – out there like a a Jordan Wheeler Nick Cousins you know fourth line third line talent but they go out there and they're trying to score Nate Thompson doesn't do that he knows why he's out there what he has to do to stay on the ice and I think he does it really well you look at his plus minus it's minus four when you consider the fact that he is literally playing fourth line minutes with guys like Nick Cousins and Jordan Wheel who are let's be honest I've talked I've rant enough about Nick Cousins but they're offensive-minded players who are really bad defensively. And you realize that how important he is and just the steps he's taken to really stay in the NHL at 35 years of age. You know, he's not slow out there. He definitely keeps up. And what a lot of fans might not realize, like, this guy had a Selkie nomination one year. He was in Tampa 2012. He was um, top 40 in Selkie votes. And nice. He's done it for years, and I think that's just another – 
great underrated acquisition that we've seen Mark Bergman pick up over the years? I mean, dude, look, he he's not afraid to hit. He's not afraid to block. Um, I mean, he's in the top ten of, of penalties for us, but I mean, his role is to is to be gritty, right? So so you're already expecting him to take the penalties. He's only got 17 penalty minutes so far this season. I mean, yes, yeah, some of his penalties don't fucking make sense and they're not at the best times. But, like, it's expected from that type of player. We know that he's out here to play defense, right? He's supposed to be out there. He's on the PK for a reason. It's, it, it's bound to happen. Like, like who we were, talk, we were just talking, Thomas Tatar. He's leading the fucking team with, with penalty minutes right now. You know, Nate Thompson – you know, we expect him to have those penalty minutes, but he, he doesn't. He's not even in the top five, you know. So, you know, I don't think he makes the best decisions sometimes, but we know why he's out there. He's supposed to be – I mean, I wouldn't say he's he's a fighter, but he's like almost like our Brandon Prost from years back. You know, like yes. he's the guy out there who, who knows exactly what the fuck he's out there to do. He's not he's not going to get a shitload of goals. He's not going to get a, a bunch of assist or points. He's out there to play some real physical hockey. Yeah, a guy who knows – what he's out there to do, does his job, doesn't try to do more, does it well. It's like I said, you know, I've had a lot of issues with Bergevin over the years, but I've had to take it all back because it's acquisitions like that that have really built this team. And I understand that, you know, maybe I hype this team up too much. You know, me and you, we talk about how great they are and they're doing so poorly, but the way they've been hit by the injury bug this year, I think if, if they fielded the same team next year, just with the growth of Suzuki and Kakaniemi and even Mete, I think they'd make the playoffs. No injuries, of course, but I definitely think they'd make the playoffs. Oh, they definitely would have had a shot. Here's another fucking cool thing about Nate Thompson, right? So, you know, he's on the fourth fucking line, but he's actually sec- a second behind Philip Deneau in face-off win. So, and Deneau's you know, gotten nice with the face-offs. Yeah, and I mean, he- he's not that far behind. He's like literally like one point. It looks like like one point four behind him, and Philip Deneau is, is actually it's it's fifty four point eight percent right now. That's pretty elite. That's elite for a guy who's who's out there to play you know defense. I mean, it's like Ryan Reeves is you know like he knows where he's going. If he's got to if he's got to take a face off, he's gonna fucking win it, and he's just gonna dump it off. Like Nate Thompson, fourth line is one is easy one of the best fourth liners. You know, fourth line defense-oriented centers, centermen right now. I think that's a, definitely a fair, assess, a fair assessment. But just to finish it off so it doesn't sound like we're entirely praising a team that <laughs> is horrible, we, we got to mention it just because he pisses me off. Nick Cousins, man. Um, I don't know if you caught oh, any of today. There, it was a really – it was honestly a good game, pretty close. I had to miss the last bit of it because I had to go to work. But – um. There's a few sequences where Domi gave Cousins the puck and wide open, and then Cousins would just fan on it or try to make some weird spinorama pass. And, like, I can't watch this guy play hockey anymore, man. I, I can't. I don't know how you feel about it, but he frustrates the hell out of me. Dude, all I see over this year so far has been you just being frustrated with Cousins on the internet, on Twitter, nonetheless. Um, <laughs> That's someone that should be trade bait, not Thomas Tatar. You know, exactly. Like, like Nick Cousins needs to be like a, a throw-in, like Thomas Tatar was 
You know, we'll give away a draft pick or some shit. We'll give away Nick Cousins as, as, as the fucking, you know. Just please someone up the take plot. him. Like Dude, anyone, we, please. I will pull people from Laval <laughs> that would fit better than Nick Cousins right now. All right? It, it makes no sense to me either because Julian, he likes defensive-minded players. And it's not – Cousins has like 17 points on the – you know, there's definitely worse. But just defensively, he just – he's – so horrible. I don't understand why they're not giving another player a chance like Jake Evans or Lucas Vamo. It just makes no sense to me. Man, I'm looking at his stats right now. Yeah, he's got some goals on him. But, I mean, those goals come because he gets chances from good players. Well, like he, Domi, play, he plays you know? on the second line with Domi. Like, if you're not – if I went out there on the second – if me and you went out there on the second line with Domi, he'd bounce a few pucks off us into the net. Absolutely. It's just so annoying. It just decisions like that, I think, are part of the reason why Montreal isn't in a playoff, you know, race this year. Look, man, Domi deserves a, a better winger, right, than Nick Cousins right now. Because Domi can't do it. I, I'm not gonna say Domi can't do it by himself, you know. But like, if if you're fucking giving a beautiful pass in an absolute upper over 50% chance of scoring a fucking goal and you whiff it more than fucking once in this game where I mean what the fuck did we lose by yeah we lost by one or to three so so dude two of those one of those was really important to keep this game alive and fucking whiffs on it that's another funny stat Montreal has gone I think it's 24 one goal games and only won 34% of them Jesus Christ. Isn't that brutal? Most in the NHL for single goal games, 34% win rate. Oh, man. If you win half of those, we are way in the playoff race. Absolutely. I mean, dude, we're, we're, we're far back, you know. It and is so, what it is. Ugh. And just but, thinking, like, sorry, do you want to go? No, dude, I'm just saying. Uh, I, I guarantee a bunch of those are fucking whiffs. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yep. If, dude, if Nick Cousins could fucking could could put a beach ball in the fucking you know in his wide open net, dude, he's got some of the best fucking players dishing it off to him. He's dude, I could fucking do better. I've got I zero training. If he if there's another winger on those lines, you just obviously I can't pin that much blame on a player like Nick Cousins who you know isn't a star player, isn't he's a role player for this team, and it's not his fault he's being put in this position by Mark Bergevin. But it, you gotta you gotta honestly think if it if it's even I don't I wanna say Kakanyemi, but we'll try to get a Jake Evans who is having a great year in Laval and he puts away maybe three or four more goals that Nick Cousins would have whiffed on. You gotta think, does Montreal win a few more games? Do they get an extra six points? You know, and then they're right in the playoff race? It's just it's shit like that that makes me question like, what the fuck are you doing, Julian? This guy is... <laughs> fuck, I, I can't stand him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> dude, I would have sent him down. If we couldn't move him, I would have sent him down a while back. There's someone else in this system that, that, could, that could get brought up and help. You know, we can move, we can move the line around to bring someone in. I mean, I, granted, Nick Cousins has his moments, but they're far outnumbered to his fucking whiffs and fuck-ups and blunders. 
Yeah, and his like you take a look at his shooting percentage. 7.6. Like those are some Arturi Lekkinen snake bitten you know, hockey gods hate you shooting percentage numbers. It's mm-hmm. brutal. I just ugh. I don't, I don't even know where we go from there. Like <laughs> fucking Nick Cousins, man. Yeah, there's no coming back from Nick Cousins. I guess I guess we'll just leave it on us agreeing that <laughs> Nick Cousins is horrible. We're just gonna blame the whole season on him. It's it's no one else's fault. Purely Nick Cousins. I just uh, fuck man. I, I can't even say that. But uh, <laughs> he's not helping. You know, uh, no. he's definitely like uh, our weakest link right now. You know, we put we put Kaken Niemi in Laval, and now it falls on Nick Cousins. Now we need him. Now we need to figure out how to how to get around this, you know? You know, instead of, I guess, instead of leaving it on us jokingly blaming Nick Cousins for everything, um, my suggestion, add on if you think I'm wrong or interject, bring up a Jake Evans or Lucas Famo and see what they can do. Because, you know, Nick Cousins, he's played, he has played a part. 18 points isn't bad for the role, that kind of a role player he is. But when you look at the opportunities he's gotten with players such as Domi, Suzuki, um, you know, a bunch of other players, Lekin and Armia. You have to think, would a talented guy like Jake Evans, who was a finalist for the Hobie Baker in the NCAA, put up close to, I believe, 50 points last year in Laval, would he do better in that role, you know? Nick Cousins is not a second-line, skilled third-line player. He's more of a fourth-line guy who can put in a few points for you. So maybe try something because clearly this hasn't worked and bring up Jake Evans, especially Jake Evans. Cause we've seen Lucas Vemo before and just see what happens because at this point it's not going to hurt you. I don't, I say, why not? Well, what do we have to lose? You know, we're not, we're not pushing for a playoff spot right now. Why not bring up some of these guys, you know, move Nick, bring up a guy like you're talking about and give him a shot, you know? Yeah. I, I think we can both agree that that's probably the best solution. And it'll definitely be interesting to see where Julian goes. We're really approaching the trade deadline quickly. So we'll have to talk again before that. But anyway, you know, thank you for coming on. You, it makes it so much more interesting when we get to talk. We just kind of shoot the shit and no script here. If you want to talk about unfiltered, uncut, this shit's it right here. Cause that's, <laughs> we just fucking go off. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, you know, man. thanks for coming on, Corey. It's always great talking to you. Absolutely, man. I, I love talking Habs. I don't get I don't get enough of it down here. All right, anyway, so that'll be it. If you want to follow Corey, follow him at the Bayou Benders on Twitter. Highly recommend because this guy is a fucking tweeting machine. Makes me laugh every time he tweets. Anyway, that'll be it. Thanks again. I appreciate it. You guys have a good night. Go Habs. All right, so with that over, you know, had a great talk with Corey. As I said, I pre- previously said, sorry, I really like talking to Corey. I think you guys enjoy it too. Probably going to start seeing a little bit more of him. Um, we've just, we have a great time talking Montreal Canadiens, so I figured why not make it more of a routine thing. But um, that'll end things for, you know, tonight's episode. As always, I've been Mason Dixon. And this is Habs Nightly. Thank you for stopping by.